Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of A Study in Games from Little Rock Games. I'm Brad. I'm Joe. I'm Olivia. I'm Robbie. And I'm Tanner. And this month, for our game of the month, we are studying Kingdoms Reborn from Earthshine Games. It is a procedurally generated city builder. much in the lines of uh, Banished and, and a little bit like um, Age of Empires or, or Civilization uh, in, a, in very small ways, and we'll talk about those as we go along. Um, this month we are, or this season rather, this whole season, we are picking procedurally generated games, and uh, this was my pick this month. and. Um, so we're going to jump right in and talk about what we thought of Kingdoms Reborn. Um, first off, um, before we started the the, uh, the podcast and the recording, Robbie pointed out uh, a good sort of procedural question that we should ask. <laughs> um, Robbie, you want to go ahead and give us that question again, just to make sure we're all on the same page and that all of our listeners out there know what we're referencing. It is probably a question that a lot of people are are going to be asking. So what is the difference between uh, procedural generation and just randomness in a game? Nice. That is a good question. There may even be listeners who are asking, what is procedural generation at all? So we can help them with that, too. That's true. Um, Joe, you you (laughs) might have the best uh, 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 definition of that. Do I? Do yeah, I? I? You probably do. You're you're usually my go-to for definitional. I, think I my definition is whatever Olivia is about to say. <laughs> so, <laughs> just taking a stab is is randomness just you know a dice rolls and then something happens, whereas you know it could ju- could it just be in the name procedural generation has it the randomness sort of fuels a process that develops more things. Yeah, I, I, I think that's uh, that's getting at it. I One thing that I noticed without going into very specific predefined details of, of what it is, um, usually they start with some sort of seed, a numerical seed or, or a text seed that they uh, used to build on. And that's about as scientifically detailed as I get uh, on, on how it works <laughs> programmatically. Well, yeah, so, so definitely there's an usually there's um, a set of rules, right, which is the procedural part. And the rules govern the possibility, what we might call the possibility space of the of the generated uh, system, right? So the system could be anything. It could be text, it could be uh, weather, it could be um, a, a map. I mean, you can you can use procedural generation. Um, you can even use it uh, as Olivia uh, recently did some really cool work on sort of adapting systems to players. And you can even use procedural generation rules for that kind of thing so that over time systems become more connected to the way that players play. But the key thing is that procedural rules, a some set of rules is governing um, what the output is. So you have an input and I mean, in a way it's just like computer science, right? Like you have an input and an output and the rules govern what what's possible coming out the other side so um yeah uh that's that's a really good way to put it i I actually was 
trying to answer and I realized I was muted the whole time. Oh, so no. I, I was like, like, why are you talking over me? I was I thought, oh, you just didn't want to you didn't want to take up the mantle that I had handed to you. But. No. Um well yeah I was just um so so the the comment about the seed is really interesting, Brad, because because the thing about that is that all randomness has a seed, right? If you roll a die, like a physical like the seed is your hand as it rolls it right the sort of the physics of that interaction that's really heavy man that's, and, that's and, so and, like, meta. and if you generate a random number with a computer it uses any number of things in the background to seed that number so like that number always has to come from somewhere right there's no true random that so so the seed is always like something that's there which is an interesting thing which um because really my answer and and the way that i think about it is like um, yeah, and so I feel like procedural generation and randomness is how it is essentially like randomness is used for procedural generation, right? So it's like, I don't feel like they're different things, um, but so, yeah, sort of inputs and outputs essentially taking randomness and taking rules and, and, and applying that to whatever your sort of seed is, whatever your sort of randomness right. is structured randomness some sort of with some procedure getting some sort of outcome yeah and we've played some of these games before um i think odd realm was procedurally generated um yep trying to think I, i'm sure there are a few others that have procedurally generated elements in them yeah oh, uh our very first game that we ever played which was everything right mm. that's uh yeah. that goes from procedure that's amazingly gigantically uh procedurally generated Pretty much so, all roguelikes are procedurally generated maps or have a big chunk of that. Yeah. So would an accurate way to sum up the difference be, uh, let's say you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, you could roll a d20 and now there's a snowstorm and then the party goes to sleep and they wake up and you roll a d20 and now it, there's a you know sweltering heat wave. Whereas with procedural, gener and that would be randomness, Whereas procedural generation would have you roll a different table if it's winter. And maybe yes. if there's several days of snow in a row, there's certain things that are impossible to happen. Yes. Yeah, I think it's all procedural generation. It's just at a different level of scope, you know? Um, That's fair. I, I, this is just my personal take on it is sort of, I, I just feel like they're sort of the same thing. Um, it's just, and, and, but also in terms of games, it's often used as a term for sort of a specific type of mechanical interaction with randomness um yep yeah, often yeah. with yeah. yeah with large scale like maps maps is one of the biggest most common ways that and it's levels seen in lots level, of games yeah. yeah level design so i mean the other way to think about it is it's usually set in opposition to sort of handcrafted design right so you could handcraft a level and and games did that for a long time right so you'd be like well here's every level in in whatever game it is um, but then at some point somebody was like, well, it's a lot of work and energy to craft all these levels. So what if we could create a set of rules and have the computer, you know, do that for us? Um, I mean, so it's, there's a kind of automation to it. That's, that's mm -hmm. another element. So it's, it's almost like automating randomness is another way I think that's useful to kind of think about it. Um, yeah. If I was going to give it a slogan, I would say that procedural generation is randomness with a plan. Nice. There we go. <laughs> That's that's the uh, takeaway of the podcast. All right, we're done here. That was good. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, and uh, we hope to see you next month. No. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I think we're, we've covered. Uh, we've 
basically pulled out a whole lot of definitions out of our uh, out of our hats. Easters. <laughs> or, <laughs> yeah, either way, um, our keister hats. Oh, can um, I say one more? Sorry, one sure. more. Okay, so one other cool way to think about it um, is that. So if you think about AI as real-time procedural generation, I think most of the games we're looking at are using sort of what we might call static procedural generation, which is a bunch of stuff gets generated and then you interact with it. Um, so another fun way I think to think about it is AIs, most AIs are actually live real-time procedural generators. Um, so that's one, just one last thing that I didn't want to miss. Thanks. That's a, yeah, that's a really good and interesting uh, uh, comparison of the two. Um, I, I, one of the things I can go ahead and say that, uh, one of the things that I love most about, uh, procedurally generated games, specifically where they're doing procedurally generated maps, um, and, uh, well, one that we haven't said is Minecraft. That's, <gasps> uh, enormously, yep. uh, whenever you start a new seed with Minecraft, a new map, uh, you're getting all of this procedurally generated down to the point of, where that, you know, what the next block underneath the block that you just mined is going to be, that all comes from a procedural generation. Um, but one of my absolutely favorite things about all of those types of games is the uh, really organic, almost, uh, to me, it's, it's poetic, uh, the way that you come up with a string, a, a seed, and it, like, it could be numerical like that, and then you feed it into your generation engine and all of this, all of these resources, all of this almost artistic uh, landscape uh, sort of springs from this short string of numbers or even a sentence. Um, it's as, sometimes when I, when I crank up one of these games like Banished or Minecraft or especially the ones that let you type in uh, 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 letter phrases uh, and words, you know, I'll put in my family's name or I'll put in something silly. Um, and this game, um, uh, 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 Kingdoms Reborn, at the very beginning will let you uh, type in a certain seed. And if you hit random, it will do a funny little three, three word combination like um, penguin dancing vagabonds and uh those are just cute that's fun and and silly to me so then i want to press and let it build that world because i want to see what the world of kingdom dancing vagabonds or, or penguin dancing vagabonds looks like um and i'll do that sometimes i'll do that in banished like over and over and over again <laughs> to see what kind of combinations get built out in the landscape of it and i don't know that's just really fascinating to me and and Comparatively, um, what Joe was pointing out a moment ago about these, this is often contrasted with um, static, pre-built static games with static levels and static maps. Um, those seem intentionally artistic on the part of the designer, whereas this is more organically, openly artistic on the part of the system, which I, I have a great appreciation for both of those, I think. Um, but in some ways, these these randomly uh, procedurally generated ones are even more interesting to me because you get these these combinations that feel more real, that feel less uh, less less intentional. Um, if that makes sense. Yes. Yes, it does. 
I've been talking a lot. So what <laughs> okay. do you guys think? Well, I just wanted to, so I do want to come back to the limits of procedural generation because yeah. I think particularly um, with different kinds of maps, we can talk about that. But first I just wanted to give a super quick framework for what the game is. So Kingdoms Reborn, we've been talking a lot about things that are like it, um, but so it's, um, I mean, you you could do this too if you wanted to, Brad. But I just I wanted Go people to know, like, it's a city builder. Essentially, it's similar to Banished, and it's you know, you you generate a map, and then you have to start somewhere, and and uh, you know, slowly build your village, your kind of medieval village, and your your pottery, and your your you know hunter gatherer uh, buildings, and your you know farms, and and try to see how far you and how happy you can make your citizens. So, so yeah. it's, it's like lots of other city builders in that it, it kind of starts from a very small place and, and grows. Um, but I just wanted to get that in in case people didn't know the game at all. Yeah, thanks for that. Thanks. Uh, we, we've uh, good to cover our bases on that. <laughs> um, and I will say that um, if you've listened to this podcast before on multiple occasions, you've heard me and and possibly Joe a little bit talk about how Banished is is one of our favorite games certainly one of my favorites yep um this game um and if you go back to really earlier version uh, uh, episodes of the podcast you've probably heard us lamenting about how um there aren't a lot of other games out there like Banished and I'm happy to say that <laughs> just this in this past uh quarter in the past few months really a ton of new games that that approximate or or are obviously inspired by banish have been coming out and i think kingdoms reborn which came out in i think november uh, of this year or last year rather um in early uh, access yeah early access in in november uh uh it's it's definitely uh definitely uh, inspired and in the vein of banish um, and uh, we were talking before the podcast about some of the others that are out there right now, uh, which we might kind of go into. There's uh, a Viking city builder coming out. Uh, End Zone is a sort of a apocalyptic future one. Foundation is another one uh, that's also in early access. Um, but lots of games out there are finally picking up the style, the mantle, the 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 the. Uh, all of the stuff that we loved and banished. And so it's good to finally see that going forward. Yep. Um, so let's go through and think about uh, what are what are you guys' initial thoughts uh, on it? Uh, anybody just jump right in and say what you thought and uh, where you want to take it. So I think I might start because I think I'm the only one that hasn't played Banish. Maybe I don't know. Robbie might not have these. What? Um, <laughs> so it's interesting because the, the, just like in describing the game, you're just like, oh, it's like Banish. And I'm like, well, I mean, I don't know what that means. Um, <laughs> I, get, I have an idea based on like the genre. You know um, what happens when I assume. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I really enjoyed this game. It also felt like it even even not like playing as as many games in the genre um it still felt like it did a lot of really interesting things that other games in the genre don't do uh like the card deck that it uses yeah. to generate the things you are permitted to build on any given i think any given like season is how, how they divide it up it's like two seasons even yeah. um uh i really enjoyed it i felt like it was very easy um i'm used to these games having like 
like oh the first winter it's gonna come and then everybody's gonna die if i'm not ready like <laughs> oh my god i have to get ready and then if i'm not it's like a huge dramatic like uh, you know until you eventually get you know settled but this game i definitely did not have that problem at all it felt way more relaxed <laughs> than, than i have felt playing previous games i felt less at risk um nice but i really enjoyed it it was there's a lot of um it's i don't even know really what to say other than that it's relaxing and i had fun watching my little people move around to do things which yeah. is really these are games are sort of ant farms <laughs> i love that about them i really really do yeah yep. all of them yeah, like I, I mean, because even in games that are in sort of similar genres, like more like city builders or like other things, like it's so like Planet Zoo, I'll spend so much time just like not even playing. Like, I guess it, it is a way of play, right? But instead of building stuff and like accomplishing tasks, I'll just sit there and follow one person around all day and see where they go. <laughs> yeah. Like just to see what, you know, it's just definitely a really interesting element of these sorts of games. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've, also never played banished um but i i've I've actually i think brad i think you've shown me the game and i think i've looked at it just because you know yeah you guys talk about it so (laughs) because we never shut up (laughs) (laughs) and and i don't mind because it sounds it it sounded interesting so i have like checked it out but no i've never really gotten into city builders but uh building in cities and towns was always my favorite part of age of empires which i played a lot of yeah yeah um, and this is like that, but, you know, many, many times more advanced. Um, and I enjoyed it. And I think I definitely agree with what Olivia said. I was expecting, um, I was expecting something to be just a lot more, uh, brutal to start off with, like a, a lot more of a struggle for survival. And I, I guess, I guess that means that the game was very easy, but to me, it just felt like, uh, uh, oh, I'm, I'm good at this. <laughs> But I guess that was a trick that it was playing on me. Um, but no, I was pleasantly surprised and I very much enjoyed my time with it. This is, it was uh, a nice game to chill out to. Yeah. Tanner, what did you think? Yeah. So, so I have played Banished. Um, <laughs> uh, and I, <laughs> thanks. And I do really enjoy this genre. I think um, one of my favorite parts about this game uh one thing i think it does really well i haven't seen uh done quite as well anywhere else is the sort of transition between like your city scale interactions into how when you pull out it feels it it, it that transition into the global perspective mm-hmm. uh felt really satisfying to me um, there's not a lot that happens on that global level yet in terms of gameplay. I don't know if uh, how much they have planned. It is early access, uh, but that was that was one of the parts that really excited me. Um, and it, it's you know, like Olivia said, I think it is innovating in a lot of ways for this genre. Um, but that sort of how how adeptly they handle the visuals at those two scale scales um, is like a nice little bit of like adjacent genre blending you know something between a ban between banished and uh like civilization um yeah i really enjoyed that in particular yeah Yeah, i i thought that was really neat and the we we had planned to play the multiplayer function of it and we just because it's january and a a busy season uh didn't get around to that i wish we had 
had time to do that so that we could talk about it a little more. But I would still like to, uh, in the near future, play uh, a multiplayer version of it with you guys uh, when we can make it happen. But yeah, yeah, that would be cool. What do you think, Joe? So um, I think I have played Banished. <laughs> I feel like there's a certain level of sophistication that people who have played Banished have that. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. So um, the uh, are you kidding? I, okay, well I know. I, Tanner and I were both laughing, and uh, we were also both muted. So don't okay. we, we, we weren't sitting here quietly while you made it. Me so robbing. what I actually think is this: um, I there are some things I really like about the way that they're branching out from uh, and expanding on and improving on what Banish is trying to do. Um, but I, I think we should spend, I would like to spend a little more time talking about the card deck mechanic because I really, I came to tolerate it. Yeah. But I really felt like it was a hindrance to my enjoyment of this game. And so um, yeah. that's, that's my main thing. That's, that's really the only thing. And, and I get, I guess I get what they're trying to do, which is kind of mix genres a little bit, mm -hmm. um, which can sometimes be fun and experiment with and do it like a David Bowie, right? But, um, <laughs> but I, in the final analysis, the way that I enjoy these games is having the ability to kind of plan out what I'm trying to do and, and make choices based on that. And, and man, it really, it was really tough for me to, to, to deal with the card deck. So anyway, we can come back to it or we can talk more. Well, I, uh, commenting on the card deck aspect of it, I think I really applaud them for uh, for picking that as a way to mix genres. And I, I think that it, it's, it is really a good idea. And I don't think it kills the game by any means. I think it it reframes it um, and, and puts a different, uh, I don't know, a, a different, uh, underpinning to the way a game like banished would work um, sure because face it you know kind of if they didn't have that it would kind of be banished with more land to be able to take over right yeah well no i mean i partly but but what i really want to applaud them for is all of the kind of upgrade systems and the more complex food system there's like a bunch of ways that they've yeah jumped forward with how this kind of thing can work like banished had some very limited upgrade systems for buildings but but this game really nails it like i loved being able to upgrade like make my you know uh, my coal mine more efficient and, mm -hmm. and like save yeah. up, you know, save up some stones so that like I could get my, you know, whatever to be better. And the whole town hall upgrading system is something that's totally not in, in banished and the way the cards get applied. Like I loved applying cards to buildings. So don't get me wrong. Yes. Like I like, like getting a card that I could use on a building to make it more productive or, or make it consume less resources that stuff was super cool. I just really found the like, I really need to build a fishing lodge right now, but I can't because I didn't pick that card. Um, yeah. For me, that was just a letdown. That's all. Yeah. Uh, go, oh, go ahead, ahead Tanner. No, go, go ahead. <laughs> it's all um, you, man. All right. Well, uh, yeah, I, I, I think I agree that I, I don't love the way that it's currently implemented. Um, but the idea of what I feel like they're going for 
is something that I really do enjoy. Like, okay. I, I, I agree that I think the cards work really well uh, in terms of, like, the building upgrades and that kind of thing. I think that maybe, like, a hybrid system in which certain buildings or, like, certain advancements are are limited by what you can draw in that that reshuffling the deck is a lot more restrictive. Yeah. But you have sort of a separate pool of actions that you can can always build because uh, it it does seem like it goes a, a, some ways towards addressing a problem I have when I'm playing Banished, which is that I either starve to death in the first like six months, right, or I've built uh, every building that's available, and yeah. so then I kind of just feel like I'm like I feel like I've done everything at that point. Yeah. Um, and totally. so yeah sort of sort of giving me those limitations when i'm in kind of a boom period yeah uh in in key ways feels like a good direction to me and tying um, it more to um to the research there is a research tree yeah um, but that stuff could be tied a lot more uh strictly to uh to, to the way the research tree well that's what i was thinking like out. like the research tree for me totally like the fact that i can't immediately build certain things and that they become available as as my little group gets smarter that mm -hmm. seems super cool um and i i think i get what you're saying too tanner like i i but but at the same time like there are other mechanics that seem to already be doing that like i love one of the things i loved that i didn't get a chance to explore was how you could make like a like a a one you like a one resource town like so you could build like 15 mm -hmm. fishing lodges and then you'd keep getting more and more bonuses for like the more of those you had and, i never thought of that yeah and so oh. like and they even have a global one which is like like some of the improvements like on on the mines and stuff will be like if you make this a mining town you get like a hundred percent improved efficiency on all your mines if you build like five of them that's um, a that's a whole new aspect of the game i know which i think is right. so cool but then Very I cool. think if you're doing that that seems like a really cool way to get me to think about restricting what i'm building and so i just i kind of agree with you guys but at the same time i feel like it's the the way the cards are currently working it's just an artificial constraint it's yeah. like oh let me stop you from doing something that you want to do um and then and their, I, their current uh yeah iteration i think i i overall agree uh because i found them to be uh that limitation to be totally fictitious uh after a certain point because yeah. um once you get a little bit of income which is not hard to do in my experience mm -hmm. i would shuffle just like 15 times until i got the thing i was looking for anyway because yep. It goes up by like ten gold, I think, and I'm like, well, I have fifty thousand gold. <laughs> I can spend, you know, five thousand just looking for the card that I want. Yeah, and that's fine. So, um, did you did just throwing this out there really quickly? Did you play the harder level, the more difficult? I didn't. I just, I think I, I just I didn't start that, the game. I wonder uh, if that money cap. I didn't either. Uh, I wonder if that money cap, if you configure some of it to be more difficult. Yeah, maybe, um, and yeah, because because to me, like the the way the way I experienced it, it was kind of a a meaningless limitation. So it was just kind of a nuisance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, 
but so, I, I can picture sort of something that I would really like there. Well, let me well, ask let me ask this question this way. So this is an, oh, another way to get at it, I think. If there were a toggle switch in the opening menu that said, turn off the cards and you can just build anything you want anytime, like I would totally toggle that. And I'm just curious if anybody else would. Except for the, uh, with the exception of the, uh, bonus bonus cards for buildings. Oh yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get um, to you get to have like random bonus cards that you can put in, and there's some way to get those. But yeah. just you toggle the thing that says, "Let me build whatever I want, whenever I want." In I, fact, in, in a second, I would I would toggle that, and so yeah. that's really my my issue. And so if if you're, what about this? I mean, just throwing ideas out there as if we were the game designers for this. Um, perfect world, right? Um, having your research tree research goes relatively faster than it does now and out of your research tree you're building as you as you research new things you're building a deck of those bonus cards that get played on buildings sure um i i think that would be a really brilliant way to to kind of mesh those two without having it restricted by uh which which building which uh structure cards you're able to to build um because yeah i think that that is the biggest drawback of that although i, I do want to uh something that i thought of as we as uh, tanner was talking i wonder if if you combine the the idea that what you said earlier joe about being able to specialize in a particular good or or production if you could uh i wonder if this would be mitigated a little bit by uh doing multiplayer and working with other people to be like well i'm going to be the guy who supplies us all with iron you're going to be the guy who gets us all fish and we're going to have a trade a four-way four-corner trade network um where we specialize in each of these and maybe that's just an intended part of the game that we haven't even scratched the surface of yet um i don't I know i think that 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 there might be some room for that if it wasn't just so easy to get all of the stuff yeah, yourself yeah. like because because yeah i i really like i thought it was really cool when i saw that you know you could specialize as i could be the potter's town or whatever <laughs> yeah. yep and but i i was like i want to do that but like there's so many gameplay incentives not to like because yeah. you need all of the different luxury things to be able to increase your houses and your living condition yeah. and you need you know and you can trade for them so you can build trades but it's also not that difficult when you have access to the buildings to just do them all yourself in most situations yeah um because even because i even started um i played a couple different maps like i played one that was like just the the dead desert and i just also didn't have that problem like so i i also still wow. need to specialize like um you know as long as there was like water anywhere i could farm and then i could yeah so um yeah and, and really i feel like it comes down to and i know this i'm talking about a couple different things playing catch up a little bit because i've been quiet but um <laughs> the the with the card deck i feel like it would just be so much better if there was just if there was either a lot more options or if it was more stuff was more clearly gated by some sort of tech tree. Like if there's more of a gameplay of like figuring out what stuff goes in your deck, maybe, mm -hmm. or like, you know, so maybe specializing takes certain things out of the deck, but make, you know, like I feel like some of those sort of dynamics could go a long way to making it feel like a more 
interesting mechanic and and also might help solve some of those problems of I have every resource and I have 5,000 gold and I have 10,000 influence and 500 food and there's nothing you know <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah I that's exactly what I would say too if, if they could just lean a little bit more into the the board gaminess of the cards um you know, because even, even in a deck builder, like you don't want to just add cards because you're just diluting, you know, your options. And so yep. there should be some way to sort of remove things or, or way, uh, way, you know, way to force you to remove things. If you're adding two, you got to take out two or something like that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and I, listen, I, I'm, I still think it's awesome that, that they dove in and, and wanted to explore this. And I think more games should do it. Um, I think, you know, mashing different mechanics into each other to see what comes out the other side is really, it's like a super powerful way of finding new stuff that people don't even realize is going to be super cool. I, I just, I think I'm in a holding pattern on this and, um, you know, I, I, I definitely will keep playing because there are so many other things that I really like about what they're doing with this, yeah. but I just, yeah, what, what Tanner said about like getting enough wealth so I can just re-roll my cards till I get the one I need seems like a just a waste of time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so like it's just time I could be spending enjoying all the other parts of the game. Um, yeah, so. like as soon as, as yeah, I because there's not so much stuff either that like the time because because time moves pretty quickly and your hand re just reshuffles pretty quickly anyway quicker yeah. than you can i can i, I was consistently because there's actually a limit of how many like stocked like free re-rolls you have like yep. free hands you have and i kept having to just re-roll them all just to get rid of them because yeah yeah i it was just like i i have everything i need yeah and you'd be like there's there's a pile of three and then the other issue i had was with the re like i, I would I would buy cards when I saw them because I was like, oh, I'm going to need that. And then my deck would, my hand would fill up and they're like, yeah, you can't buy anything else. Cause, and I'm just like, why is this a constraint? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like, and especially cause like I was definitely at the point after, after like what, like a playing ping for like two to three hours. So not that long for this sort of game. For yeah. Once, you know, I was already at the point to where I could literally probably afford to just buy the entire card deck like yep. if I wanted to <laughs> yep. and, and and so maybe the issue was that I was playing on like I under I'm used to the medium difficulty being a little bit challenging uh you know for my I was expecting my first run to have to die during the winter and try again while I was learning the systems and then I was just surprised that you know it sort of went so smoothly and then as soon as I re recognized that I exploited it really hard I was like well I'm not gonna die mm -hmm. over the winter so i don't need to worry about my fuel it's fine like um yeah. and also the fact that so here's another so really i honestly all of my complaints with this game come down to um balancing <laughs> honestly um because i would is the only resource that i ever wanted in this game yep. like yep yep and I couldn't cut it down fast enough as I was using it and I couldn't buy enough or, and I don't know if Tanner mentioned this already, but the, there's the card that lets you exchange gold for wood. But yeah. if you don't have enough room for the wood, because it, <laughs> because you have to use half of your gold and yeah. if you have a ton of gold, like there's just weird stuff like that, that yeah. just felt wrong. Here's your 8,000 wood. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like I can't, and it, w it wouldn't let you do it. And it's like yeah. I, I have zero wood, and I need eighty, like, and I just can't 
do it yeah. because yeah. I, I would rather do it and like throw the rest away, but it just wouldn't let me. And yeah, yeah weird stuff like that. No, yeah, totally. And and the the obviously it's early access. And so I'm like you, I'm trying to be a little forgiving about that stuff. But the the I was really surprised by how poorly storage was implemented. Um, so once you get to the warehouse, you're you're golden, right? Like once you've researched the whatever, I think you have to upgrade the town hall maybe at some point, and then you get the warehouse. And once I got uh -huh. the warehouse, I was just building warehouses and I was like, sweet, now I can store everything. But until that point, I had these like, first of all, my storage was constantly filling up. And then I would like, I'd be racing to do it. But as Olivia pointed out, you have to use wood to build more storage. And I never had yeah. any wood. <laughs> so I, it was horrible. Yeah, there's like... a really ridiculous bottleneck where I had so much food and it was just wood. And it, like, but... why can I build this out of all these rocks that I have that I'm not doing anything. <laughs> right. Or, and, and again, I know we'll be making more Banish comparisons, but in Banish, you literally can just draw a storage area and then you have a storage area. Mm -hmm. And Most so of these games have street storage areas. Like RimWorld does that too. Yeah, like just store it wherever you I tell you to. Um, so, and, and that was sort of mixed with the problem of, I couldn't really emphasize I think you, when you hit the star over something, that's supposed to tell them to prioritize it. But it, it yeah. did not seem like it worked at all. Yeah, but so I'd be like, I'd have people who were homeless and I'd be like, quickly build these houses. And the only thing I could do is click the star. And I was like, okay. Or the little speed up, <laughs> like the, building the, the house. Like, did, did, did any of y'all notice or use the, um, the like power up? There's like a little speed build power up in the corner of the screen. Yeah, no. I used it like twice. Okay, it, what does that do? Well, yeah, there's this little meter, like you have like a, a like a, like a mana that you can spend on this ability that will cause them to speed up building something. Oh, but it also like, yeah, I like it never, it didn't feel necessary. And the way it's phrased, it's like, there's going to be like different ones yeah. release for like different okay. abilities. So that's interesting thing that it felt sort of tacked on and easy to miss. Um, yeah. But it still also, it still doesn't cause them to emphasize building it. Like, if they're building other stuff already, like it's only going to work if they're already working on the thing. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, I guess, partly what I'm saying is that, again, I, we're going to assume, as I assume with all of these games right now, that they're all at least partly inspired by Banished. And so, <laughs> right. So he, my question is to, to the designer, if you end up listening to this podcast, my question is, so you did some super cool improvements to Banished, and I love that, but then you took things that Banished does perfectly well and made them, I think, a little worse. And I was like, why wouldn't you just do it the same way? And so that's really, that's, if, if there's a lingering complaint for me, that's it. But having said it, I still, it's a game I'm going to come back to after the podcast is over because yeah, there's so right. much to like. The gameplay but. loop, it, it's also, it, in terms of ant farms, it's definitely a really great one just to sit and watch, like watch the yeah. seasons change on. Yep. Like I, I really, and all the, all the animals wandering around and, all that stuff. Um, yeah. Even uh, though um, I don't know if this is too much of a drift, but did any of you go and like spy on the other towns and see some of the very strange things that they were building? No, <laughs> no. I always uh, played like, with like zero, zero AI is all I played. So, oh, gosh, yeah, I I played with like the normal amount, like the default everything, and. I think the AI needs some work because uh, it's funny that the decisions that they made with their towns were just really bizarre. And very often they would build like these gigantic like pork farm empires where it was just <laughs> like 
giant pig farm and then houses and then pig farm and then houses and that was the only thing that they would build and they had these giant sprawling towns that were like oh god it was so strange i, I, I took I a bet screenshot that's of nice. one oh gosh yeah anyway that was a side note because i know actually there's like a notification on the main menu that says that like please ignore the ai because they are bad yeah so, just, i didn't use them because of so that i specifically I specifically wanted to see what they were doing that made them make that notification. You, you just so described I... South Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry yeah. for any of you who live in South Dakota, but oh god, yeah. Anyway, so that that was a side note, and it's it's not a complaint because I was just, but I was just entertained by it because uh, again, a lot of these things are very clearly just just because it's early access, right? Yeah, there are things that are being experimented with and yeah. tweaked, and yeah. Um, which is why is, I normally I normally swear off early access. <laughs> I only played this because we were going to podcast it. <laughs> and let me, I just, I, I don't want to rant here, but, um, you know, one of the real challenges, I think, of this sort of last pandemic year, I mean, there's some really material challenges, but as a game player, it's the number of early access games that have come out. And <laughs> since I, like, I... You know, I've tea, I'm a teetotaler when it comes to to early access, like and and really for two reasons. And I'm just mentioning this because this is a sort of general gaming podcast, so it's worth talking about for a sec. One of them is that my experience with early access has a lot of these things where it's like, you know, there's just going to be stuff that's just quirky and and broken, and and that's fine. But the other thing is that I find when I when I play games like this in early access, I often don't play them anymore. And then when they finally get released and they've got all the features and they're really well polished, like I don't, I, I don't end up playing them anymore. And so I've really tried hard to hold off now on just playing games that are fully released. And that's just me because I'm you know persnickety. But I just wanted to mention it because there's so many games coming out right now. And every time I see one, I'm like, oh, that looks so cool. And then I see early access, and I'm like, oh, okay. Anyway, yeah, it's it's really interesting because I honestly my experience with early access is similar to yours, but from what I've read, like generally, but what the reasoning for doing it is because those updates bring people back over a longer uh, period of time than sure. if they just do a release, and so they do that intentionally. But, but yeah, I just wanted to say I do the same thing. Like I'll I'll get really yeah. into a game, and then sort of be finished with it, and then when it comes out, I'll be like, oh well, I already played it, but it's not it wasn't the same. You yeah, know? yeah, I I also. Uh, have have rarely seen a game come out of early access. Uh, you know, I'll be like, oh, I remember when I could have bought that game like five years ago. Uh, Specifically, right. it feels like a problem with uh, games in this genre. Yeah. Um, it, at least in my experience, there will be several games that I'm like, oh, I'm really excited about that. Uh, but I want to wait until it, you know, is a little bit more finished. And then like three or four years later, it's still in early access and i'm like i wonder if you guys could have been done in like half the time if yep. you just did a full release but i mean there are practical reasons for you know why sure. why games come out in early access yeah but but still yeah no yeah and i'm i i'm not i i'm definitely not faulting those those designers and and companies for doing it i just for me, it's it's a challenge because of the number of games that, especially right now, are coming out that way, and I it it bums me out because I'm like, there's a part of me that's totally tempted, and I'm like, oh, I should just get it. I know I I know I said I would never do it again, but I should just <laughs> do it. And then I'm like, you know, and I play this, and I think, well, this was fun, and I wouldn't have done it otherwise if we hadn't, you know, picked it for the podcast. Uh -huh. And in fact, next month's, which I've picked, is is an early access game too. But um, 
in my defense, I guess the one we're going to do next month has been in development for like, what, a decade, maybe? Um, Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> late, late early access, late stage early access. Ravi, do you have any thoughts about early access? Um, no, I just, I, I tend to also avoid it, not for anything other than I, you know, I, I don't like, uh, I, I tend to like everything. And so if I'm playing something um, and I'm not enjoying the experience, I will trick myself into playing longer than I would have because, oh, they get a pass because it's not finished. Right. You know? Uh, and I, that, that's something I struggle with on the, on the podcast too, sometimes, because we've played a few early access games and sometimes I wonder like, what's fair to criticize and what's not. And it seems like they get like this big pass yeah. for a lot of things. Yeah. You know, that's a good point. We, that's a, that's, I hadn't thought of it that way, but if we, you're going to put yeah. a game out there and people are paying money for it, then, you know, yeah, I think maybe we should be a little tougher and say, Hey, you know, if you're going to pay $30 for this or $20 or whatever. Yeah. I mean, think, think about it as a developer, like hopefully that's the sort of thing you want to get out of an early access, right? Yeah. You want to yep. hear what people think about the game as is so that you can have, you know, in, in a way it's sort of just, it, it's really not that different than like an open beta, other yeah. than that it's not like a limited, uh, you know, it's not as time sensitive usually. Right. Um, so, you, oh, I, no, go ahead my slightly cynical uh, response would be that might be, I'm not gonna say that's why everybody does early access, but perhaps that's why many people do. A good chunk of people, why free they QA. do. Free QA. Yeah. yeah, well, not not just, not free QA, but uh, freedom to release something and ignore criticism. To be like, well, it's oh, not done yeah. yet. You know what I mean? To like a, a pre, being pre-defensive. Well, and I have to say too that and, and then I promise I, I won't make us linger on this any longer, but um, I, I've been a little kind of a little bit ethically concerned about the number of these coming out in that it, it feels a little bit like people are, and I, again, who knows, but it feels a little bit to me like, okay, it's a pandemic. There's been a huge surge in video game purchases. We've got to get our game out, even if we put it in early access, because, you know, so many people are buying games right now and we, we should capitalize on that. And again, I'm, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not saying that's necessarily, but I wonder, I have wondered whether that's why so many early access games are coming out at the moment. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's it. And, uh, and I mean, it's, it's, it could also be as simple as there are a lot of people sitting at home and they have time on their hands to be producing a game like this and they get it to, yeah. Um, get it to a stage and they're like, I think I'm at that stage now. So early access yeah. it is. Yep. Um, yeah. And I mean, it is essentially, sorry, Brad. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> I, uh, I miss, it. I miss talking in person where I can take like visual cues. Right. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it's, it's also another form of crowdfunding essentially, right? Yeah. Like you, you put out what you have and if people want it, they can keep, keep throwing money at it mm -hmm. uh you know like because there are formats like that for patreon where you can be a patron of the game and you might end up paying way more for it than you ever would otherwise yeah. uh so i can see it especially with you know uh is is other income opportunities sure. dried up um yeah moving yeah, to yeah. early access to to fund development um yeah but and and to be fair to uh, to 
designers and artists who are doing it that way. Um, I, I think that's a beautiful thing about game communities and, and uh, creative communities in general is that uh, that sort of baseline ability of being able to put these things out here for your fans um, and let them fund yeah. uh, just the Patreon model, um, funding exactly the content that they want because they are um, enthusiastic about it and want to be supportive of it. And I think there's a certain element, I mean, certainly all of the, the, the criticisms and things that we've been talking about with early access are, are valid, but there's also a, a community element and a, a real feedback element from that community of early access. Um, I think if it's done right. Yeah. You, all right. You've totally turned me around. <laughs> no, actually, <laughs> I will beautiful. just say this. I will just say this. So um, <laughs> it is a diff obviously right now is an incredibly difficult time for everybody. And so I'm, I'm going to retract my earlier critical statement. I, if you need to get your game out early access right now, you should do it because um, if you, you know, if funding, like, I mean, you guys are totally right. Like f for so many people right now, funding is, is, is an incredibly, you know, even just day to day is a problem. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I'm, I'm retracting that earlier part. I will say early access is at least superior to the star citizen model of funding, which uh, I've decided I think is, sorry, that was a star citizen joke. We'll come back to that later. <laughs> Anyone? No I one? don't get it, Nobody? but okay. <laughs> I, yeah. Okay. Tanner, can okay, you tell sure. Brad what I meant by that? Yeah, explain it to me in Star Wars, as they say. So uh, imagine, Brad, that you had to pay for every, what's even the best analogy? I'm trying to tie it to Elder Scrolls Online. And <laughs> you are speaking my language. <laughs> uh, if you had to pay for like every weapon you wanted uh, to use, uh -huh, like yeah, with yeah. real money. Like yeah. that was how no. you bought uh, the game. Yes, I would not. And imagine if you and everyone in the community had paid what? What are they up to now? Two hundred million dollars. It's like Whoa. yeah. Like what if you had paid as a community had paid two hundred million dollars and Elder Scrolls Online was still in a closed sort of closed beta? <laughs> <laughs> then fool me once, shame on you. <laughs> fool me, fool me. How many millions did you say? <laughs> shame on me. And imagine further if that closed beta had started like five years ago. Yeah, no. Um, well, yeah, the, I, I, without knowing the specifics of Star Citizen, I, I did kind of get what you were saying because okay. there are loads of games out there that are sort of, uh, oh, well, I mean, it's the vaporware model, right? It's, it's, uh, yeah. it's a great idea and a, you get off to a great start. And then, um, yeah, I know this guy who created a board game, <laughs> uh, and he and he never finished the last piece of it. Um, anyway, oh my God! So sorry. I know we're <laughs> we're we're straying into every possible category that's not the game we're supposed to be talking about. But Brad, when you can, you have to play Concordia because. Okay. Anyway, sidebar. Now Is back that to a, I'm digital or tabletop? It's, a, it's tabletop. Okay, Concordia. Okay. Okay. Sorry. No, great side note. Uh, great side note. Uh, I will. Um, Everyone can do that if they want. <laughs> right. Shout it's out a, to Concordia. It's a fantastic board game, but okay. it's going to remind you of a game that somebody you know made and that someone is you. Okay. Oh, boy. Is that going to depress me? <laughs> no, I don't. Well, hard to say. <laughs> okay, yeah. Let so back to uh, Kingdoms, uh, Kingdoms Reborn. Reborn. Um, 
Yeah. Um, okay. Any other thoughts? What do you guys What do you guys think? Any other um, winding down? Great I, moments. I wanted to talk a little bit about the procedural generation of the map. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. Please, by all means. So I'm just going to do a little bit of. Um, uh, this is not really critique, but but I, I'm always interested in in the in the algorithms that people use. And if for those of you who have played Banished, right, this is a very different kind of map than Banished. Um, it's got a lot more water, right? Like there's this like if you don't put sea level at low or very low, you're basically getting a map with with a lot of big of islands, right? Archipelago kind yeah. of. Yeah, and um, and I was just kind of curious about that. Um, I'm also uh, I'm just kind of fascinated, like Banished had some really strict things it had to do. Like there's a, you have to have a river that runs through the middle of a Banished map because there's a trader who comes along the river. Mm -hmm. And so like the procedural generation there had to be really, like there had to be this river that connected, you know, from one side of the board to the other. Um, whereas in this, it feels like as long as there's like some general placement of trees and and sort of like pine trees in the north and south and and you know palm trees in the middle um i don't know i was just curious what if people had any specific thoughts or critiques or just stuff they thought about the the actual procedural generation i i think the 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 fact that the the map was larger and more so the thing with banished is it is inside that sort of sandbox of the boundaries of your very local map yep. and you can build all the way to the edges of it but then no farther Yep. Um, and there is no um, uh, uh, pulling back into the broader map. There is no uh, purchasing new territories beside you. That it it stays in that local small sandboxy area and never zooms out to the civilizations sort of uh, level. I really like that this game does both of those. Um, this game one one game that we haven't mentioned yet that that this uh, particularly reminds me of is um oh shoot venice uh help me out joe uh not anno it's not anno it's well uh... yes no it is anno yes oh, okay. yeah, some of the some of the anno games um and anno online does this but all a, a lot of those um, I thought you were thinking of dawn of discovery which has dawn venice in the title yes uh that too those, those sorts of games um Anno is a really good one because you're able to zoom, sort of zoom out, not in the same contiguous kind of way, uh, where you're where you're zooming farther out and you can see the islands. But the idea is that you're on a map with larger islands that you can trade back and forth between, and uh, th that's really satisfying in this game. The fact that you're at, it breaks you out of that uh, the four the four corners of your sandbox and into a a world rather than just uh, your locality. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and, and I, I, I like where this game goes with that, and I like that this game is going from the sort of uh, macro level, or, or rather micro level of uh, what's going on in your village, to slightly larger of what's going on in your general area as you expand out, and then much, much larger to the other cities, other settlements, other uh, uh, islands, and things like that. That's really just satisfying in itself in this game. Um, and I think it's a good direction. Any other thoughts about that? 
anyone? Yeah. <laughs> are, are we are we still on? <laughs> the the mute button. I feel like I have to click it twice every uh, time. So I'll click this it, start time talking, twice. and next time yeah. it'll be three times. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I I like the uh, variety that the the biomes yeah. provide, and how I can kind of like like move over and establish like a new little colony. Um, and it's in a totally different biome. Um, like in the game I was playing, I had a kind of like a like New York esque swamp island that was my main city, uh, and I really needed access to iron. And the closest one was like halfway across the continent in the middle of the desert. Yeah. So I just put this huge colonization effort together and went over and just built like a new little town over there and. Just called. sort of that like branching out moment. Yeah. A town called Newark, New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hack and sack. Uh, right. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed that. I would like to see like more of the individualized like uh, building models. Like they have some in there that, that change based on like where you're building. Um, yeah. But I think it would even be interesting if those, you know, took different uh resources so that like my kind of cubic adobe houses in the desert aren't also uh hungering for for wood for wood <laughs> yeah yeah um but yeah i th i think those kind of like little like different areas that have yeah. different requirements would be a nice way to to sort of tweak what's already there yeah um, and the, the, the procedural generations seem pretty solid to me. Like, it seems like all of the elements that are needed are kind of already there in that. Like, like the maps feel relatively consistent. It feels like things are getting like laid out in ways that are, that make for like productive gameplay. So, yeah. Um, and I also appreciated that like the resources are identified at the beginning. So you can just be like, oh, there's some coal, there's some iron. So I should probably start my little guy you know, near those. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, I like that stuff. Can I, I just want to ask, I know we're just about out of time, but um, how do people feel about the claiming of territories mechanic? So once again, I found it to be like really, really easy uh, because being able to claim it with food meant that even when I was low on influence, I could still buy yeah. up a ton of territory. I yeah. did kind of like the pseudo warfare implementation of it um with influence and like I, th I think i ended up conquering like every other city on my continent mm. uh but the in terms of like expanding i found it yeah my main criticism is that again it's it's it was really easy for me to just buy up however much land i wanted right yeah i like i i think it was way way too cheap because it also didn't seem to get more expensive like the more you had mm -hmm. um uh -huh. So you could just basically infinitely expand if you had the money, which you always do, basically. <laughs> um, right. But I really liked how they weren't uniform in size and like the way they were and sort value. of divided yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, it was very, very interesting. I actually really, really liked it a lot. Like it felt very satisfying to pick out which one. It didn't yeah. feel like it was based, it, it didn't feel arbitrary. Like it felt like I, I like yeah. this one. Um, and it sort of, and, and just felt very like, because I think the map generation isn't extremely sophisticated, like as far as map generations like yeah, games yeah, yeah. like this go. I mean, it's pretty clear that they were just using like, you know, like noise and, you Berlin. know. Yeah, and, and, and you know, but it, but it, but really the 
but it, it it doesn't need to be more complex than that, right? No. Like it did a really good job, and even the maps that were strange. So like I, in in the the live stream that I did, the map that I got was just so different than every other map that I had gotten before because it was like a giant archipelago, and I didn't even know that it could make maps like that, but it still worked well. Like the sort of way that it populates the maps, yeah, and the way I was able to expand quickly and cheaply. Uh, made it possible to still be okay even with you know weird starting setups right i actually like the uh i i find it and it's what i was mentioning kind of at the, the beginning of the podcast here i just find it really satisfying almost on a artistic appreciation level the the way that procedural generation builds these in such um so organically and so um i don't know just it's really satisfying to me that uh watching that sort of bloom that map bloom out of that first seed and seeing how this little world is created um and all of these types of games um really do that for me you, you know minecraft and and of course banished and so many of these others odd realm that we played earlier uh seeing that it, it makes these little small sort of works of art. Uh, it, it's a machine to to create uh, these just More really interesting little areas. Yep. Yeah, I, yeah. I will say that I, I feel like it would have mattered more if I got big enough to run into other factions and stuff. Yep. Because if, if like, so if like you, if I was playing without other factions, it's like sort of what is the point of having these territories? Because yeah. like... They're, they're sort of meaningless, right? Because they're cheap. So you can just buy the whole map and then why are there even borders there at all? Because they yeah. don't. Because even like, so so even, so so on the map, they, they have them listed as like having certain resources on them. Like we talked about iron, we talked about, yeah. you know, oil or whatever. Um, but it's not like you can only get it, like, it's not like it's anywhere within this territory you can get it. It's still just like a very specific patch of land, right? So it's yeah. more localized than it is to like these. The districts aren't very meaningful other than just the shape and size of the, the territory itself. Well, um, and if you think about it, if you've, which you guys haven't played Banished, but going back to that example, that problem is mitigated in, in Banished by actual distance. Like you can build a, a, a house anywhere on the map that you have anywhere within that sandbox on banished um you can build a house in the far 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 corner but your people are going to die because they're it's too far of a walk back and forth to get yeah. food and they're never going to produce too. like it it also you know tells you like hey yeah. there's not any houses close enough to this thing or hey you know um it's still but but i just don't feel like it yeah i feel like that was enough of a limiter Right. I, it's weird because like yeah aesthetically and like the game feel wise i liked buying those because it was a good thing for me to pump money into and i had nothing else to pump money into mm -hmm. um but you know but it's interesting because it also sort of doesn't feel like a hugely necessary part of the strategy but i i do feel like that is going to change as the game grows and as the yeah. sort of macro level of engaging with other factions becomes more important yeah um, yeah that's the key i think is that in a multiplayer it's that's where they really matter right because they obviously restrict what like you literally can't build in another district if you don't own it and so yeah um 
that seems kind of cool potentially. Although I also, um, Robbie at the beginning mentioned the um, Age of Empires and I kind of love the free free form of Age of Empires where you just like, it doesn't matter where the border is. Like right. <laughs> you, your, your castle, you build your castle like right next to somebody else's castle. It doesn't matter. <laughs> then you just start shooting at them. But, um, just like real history. If they want to make it a problem, then they can. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's the come at That's me, bro. Right. Model. Exactly. Uh, yep. All right. Well, uh, as we usually do, we're going to let's, why don't we move on to closing thoughts about um, Kingdoms Reborn? Um, Joe, let's start with you since you were the, uh, the next. And uh, no, you know what? Let's end with Joe so that Joe can tell us what we're playing next month. How about we start with Olivia? Uh, Olivia, give sure. us your closing thoughts. Um, yes, I really enjoyed the game. I spent more time with it than I expected to because, I mean, typically for the game of the month, I sort of try to meet at least three hours, you know, or if it's like a narrative game, I try to finish it. Yeah. Um, but I play this one a lot more than I, it, it was one of those games that I was like, oh crap, it's 4 a.m. I'm still playing this game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> without even realizing it. And I feel like that's just sort of a, a, a problem with this genre that I don't personally know of any good solutions to. Is um, it a problem though? <laughs> yeah, it's, the game is too fun. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I still though, I despite playing it for so long, as I was playing it, I felt when I was like four hours in, I felt like I had, I had like conquered the game. Like I felt like I, it was all done. I felt like I had seen all the buildings I cared about. Um, and so like, there's definitely some balancing problems, but overall I feel like it's in the genre. It's, it's really interesting. And I really appreciate, even if right now they're in sort of a weird state, despite early access, I, I still feel like it's, <laughs> it's on the way to being an interesting, different game. Um, yeah. Cause, cause I was, what I didn't want going into it was for it just to be a, banished clone that was not quite banished right even Same even here. not having played banished but it's not that you know it does things differently and so it's right cool for that reason and that's a that's a thin line that i i come up against often is finding a game that's enough that that satisfies the things that i like about banished but either isn't wildly different or isn't too much i mm -hmm. i've yet to see one that's too much the same as banished so i'm, I'm glad that people are taking inspiration which i think this game kind of obviously does in a great way in a really good way um but good to see them being uh uh inspired by it and, and taking it and going um how about you robbie what are your closing thoughts on this guy i really enjoyed my time with it um yeah it, it was easy but um you know, I'm, I'm sure some of that will get ironed out. And I guess there is a harder mode that I guess I didn't know about. Um, but I enjoyed it and I enjoyed sort of the the board gaminess of it. I think that's something I didn't really touch on. There, there's obviously way more resources and stuff than would be feasible in a board game. But um, it felt like I was sort of uh, playing a board game and it would be interesting if they tried to adapt it that way. But yeah, yeah, um, I, I agree. I, I totally got that, that the, the sort of uh, digital board game, but in a really more uh, involved and reflexive kind of environment. So yeah, I liked that a lot. Um, Tanner, what about you? Yeah, so I, I love a lot of the, the sort of genre blending that's happening here. 
especially in the context of, of these sort of adjacent genres. Um, so, so pulling in the, the sort of simulation games and mixing in a little bit of the, the 4X elements and that kind of thing. Uh, really, really enjoyed all of that. I think in terms of uh, the procedural generation, it's not quite as refined as, as something like Civilization, of mm -hmm. course. Like even, even playing with lots of other AIs, I never really felt the same kind of like competition for those resource spots that I do in the Civ games, yeah. um, which is something that I think would would feel pretty good. Like it would give more an in, a bit of incentive to, to trade or to try and conquer them, um, you know, try to try to get those resources somehow. Uh, but but overall, uh, even if some of the things don't quite work for me yet, I, I really enjoy what I what I think they're trying to do with everything. Um, yeah. I would love to come back and see, like, just blink forward like a year and see how the, the game is different. Yeah, same here. And you know, the, the nice thing about time is we can do that in about a year. Right. That is true. <laughs> it's always, always moving forward. Yeah. Keep it in your Steam library and we will come back to it. Um, I, yeah, I will just add that um, I really enjoyed it. And my, my big takeaway is exactly that, wanting to see where this goes going forward and the improvements that get made. I'm really glad that this this game is has been made and that uh, that um, Earthshine, yeah, Earthshine Games is putting the effort in there to do this. It's a very interesting concept and I like where they're going with it so far. Um, very, very keen to see where it goes and, and play more of it in the future. Um, and with that, I will turn it over to Joe for final thoughts and our game for next month. Joe, game of next month. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so very similar to everyone else. Uh, lots of things to like about, about uh, Kingdoms Reborn. Um, I was excited to play it. A uh, lot of things that, that make me happy. I just, I really want them to be more flexible and, and open up that uh, card deck building choice thing. So that's the only thing I'll leave with. But yeah, I'm, I really love so many of the elements and I'm so excited to see the kind of improvements they've made over, over Banished and other previous city builders. So anyway, next month, we are going to play Caves of Could is how I will pronounce it. Q-U-D, Caves of Could uh, by Freehold Games. Um, I don't know if there's much more to say except that. Uh, so <laughs> that's what I will say about it. It's it's uh, a game with a lot of procedurally generated narrative. Um, Olivia will be quick to tell you that if you are going to play along with us, you should seek out a tutorial or tips website or something that will help you because the game, I guess, will not. So um, anything else I should add? You're throwing us into the into the fire into the fire on this one and yeah which is that's um, i'm excited to see where this one goes uh tanner were you gonna you got something you want to say no no i was okay. just just unmuting in preparation okay. for in the, preparation the goodbye for, for, <laughs> <laughs> all right well with that um as always um if you played along with us this month uh let us know what you thought about uh, Kingdoms Reborn on our website at LittleRockGames.com 
or on our Facebook page at Little Rock Games. Um, pretty easy to find us there. Find us also on Twitter and all those other great places. Um, and uh, the music that should be playing down below us right now is Plain Loafer from Kevin McLeod. Always great to have his music on our podcast, and we appreciate him making those available for us. We'll put the link on the webpage to his music if you'd like to hear more. Um, and with that, we're going to say goodbye, and we will see you next month. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.